This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. All right, 1 John 4, 4, are you there? If you're there, say, I got it. Look at your neighbor and say, you better get it. Here we go. This is our theme scripture here. And you know, Jesus also said that, um, that in this world you'll have tribulation. Can I get an amen to that? I said, in this world there's going to be some drama. Can I get an amen? In this world there's going to be some trouble. Somebody say amen. All right. In this world there might be some trauma. Somebody say amen. Anybody have any problem, trouble, trial, tribulation, trauma, or drama? Any of those? Uh, how about all seven? All, all, however many that was, right? A little bit of all that, all right? That, well, welcome, welcome to the planet, right? Welcome to life. But um, Jesus said, be of good courage. I've overcome the world. So you might have some stuff to deal with, but it doesn't have to, doesn't have to vex you, all right? So here we go. You are of God, little children, little children. Look at your neighbor say, little children. You are of God, little children, and you, and have overcome them, talking about the devil, talking about the spirit of the world, because, why? What, what makes you overcome? Because he, capital H, I said he, come on, talk to me, church. We are a participation church, because he who is in you, I said, come on, talk to me now, because he is in you, because he who is in you, you. You, you, Darren, because he was in you. Because when you overcome, you can overcome because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I just want to settle that as we jump into unpacking and exposing anxiety, depression, and fear. As a Christian, positionally, every last one of you are overcomers. Come on. I'm feeling it over here. Y'all going to, okay. Thank you. But look, and I understand the realities of life and the reality of a process and the reality of how you grew up and the reality of what people did to you and the reality of being hurt. But when you accept Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit comes and is housed in you and you have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You are victorious, overcoming, and triumphant. Come on now. More than conquerors. All right, so faith in Jesus is the beginning of a victorious, overcoming, and triumphant life. I said faith in Jesus Faith in Christ is the beginning. It's the beginning. It's only the beginning, but it's the beginning. It's a good beginning. Start, you got to start off right. When you accept Jesus, you started off right. You started off victorious. You began this thing victorious. You came into the kingdom on top of the devil. You came into the kingdom with the devil under your feet. You came in on top. I know, you know, people talk about, I started at the bottom. Now look at me. No, I started at the top. Before Christ, I was at the bottom. But in Christ, I started out at the top. You started out at the top. You're trying to earn a placement or position in God or in, in life or even in the spirit. You start out victorious because he's inside of you. 
All right? So we just want to settle. That's just good theology. We're going to unpack these things. We are going to expose these things. But I want us to start out on the right foot. And so today, just to give you kind of how we're going to go through this series. Today, I'm just going to give you some keys here. And the question I would like to answer today is this, is how do I live a life where victory is a reality for me? Because just because you're positionally there doesn't mean, doesn't mean necessarily that's reality in every area. And, and I think we all say amen to that. Um, but, but how do I live a life? How do I, now if I'm positionally there, if God's inside of me, I'm a king's kid, I'm a, I'm a, I'm of a holy nation, I'm of a royal priesthood, I am, um, a son of God, I am a child of God, I am an ambassador for Christ, the devil's under my feet, but how do I live a life where victory's actually a reality? How many of you know there's people going to church, but that doesn't mean victory's a reality? Somebody say Amen. And there's people that grew up in church, but that don't mean victory is a reality. It's a, positionally, it's for them, but that doesn't mean they're getting it. Is that right? Is that right? And so, so what we're going to talk about here is how, how, do, I, how do I do this? Because um, this is the grace of God. This is uh, God's goodness, God's mercy. He, um, he destroyed death, hell, and the grave. And, and so, but, but just because God has paid the price for you doesn't mean we're all experiencing everything that he paid the price for. Right? Come on, church. Talk to me here. Help me out. Don't leave me hanging up here. Come on. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. Come on. Just give me a little more amens just because it's October. Talking about I love you, Pastor. Yeah, amen. Well, say amen then. I love my pastor. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you ain't saying nothing. <laughs> you don't love me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I'm playing with you. But, but, but this, this helps. Help me out. Help me out. Come on. You, you, your, your hunger will pull more out of me than I studied for. Now, I did study. But, but if you're hungry, you're going to yank stuff out of me that I wasn't even trying to preach on. I'm like, whoa, look at that. Where'd that come from? It's because of your, your, your hunger. If you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you'll be filled. Not because I got it, because you want it. Somebody say amen. All right. When I, I, when I saw Crystal Gale, I was hungry. I went after her. <laughs> Look it. Uh, me marrying her was all my pursuit. 100% on the front end. She wasn't giving me nothing. But I wanted mine. I'm hungry and thirsty. Come on now. Come on, somebody say amen. And so, so I understand you got you to go after yours. Somebody say amen. So when the word of God's being preached, did you come to get yours or not? Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. How do I live a life where victory is a reality for me? And I'm going to give you some really simple points, and then we'll kind of look at them a little bit. But this is my first point, and this is really simple. This is street level right here. Number one, hang out with God. Somebody say amen. Hang out with him. Hang out with God. Hang out with God. Hey, hallelujah. Hang out with God. Come on, give it up for grace back there, everybody. Give it up for grace. So, hang out with God. Hang out with God. This is, this is, this is... If you get around, you ever get around the right person and they help you out? You ever have coffee with the right person and you leave? Like, oh, I, f- that was, I want to hang out with him again. You ever hang out with the wrong person? You're like, good Lord Jesus. 
you take them out of your phone, then they try to look at your, their numbers in your phone, it ain't in there no more. You're like, I, don't, I, got, I got a new phone. I, got, I don't know what happened. I lost my contacts. Somebody say amen. amen. But, 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 but I'm talking about God now. Hang out with God. You got to hang out with God. Hang out with Him. You got to hang out with Him and not just church. Somebody say amen. But you got to, you want to get, you want to, you want to live free. You got to hang out with the one that's got the goods. You got to be around the one with the goods. You got to be around the one with all the freedom you need. You got to be around the one with all the joy that you need. He's got it all. And if we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. If you come up to him, after him, if you give him your stuff, he'll give you his stuff. Come on, you need to write that down. What did you get out of church on Sunday? Uh, on Sunday, you can tell all your coworkers, give God your stuff, he'll give you his stuff. Right? So you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Here's, here's a scripture here. Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1. This is a powerful representation of, of, of God coming into your life in the state it, it was even once you got saved. But look at this here. It's talking about Egypt. Egypt in the Bible represents uh, when we were in bondage. When we were slaves, they were slaves to in Egypt. They would they and and them coming through the Red Sea was symbolic of baptism. So them coming out of Egypt was representation of them getting saved. So Isaiah chapter nineteen verse one says this: the burden against Egypt. Behold, once again Isaiah nineteen verse one: behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud, and will come into Egypt, into your Egypt. God is not scared of your issues. God is not scared of your Egypt. God came into Egypt. All kind of nastiness going on in there. Pagan stuff. And, and I'm talking historically now. And, and, and they, uh, the, the gods they served. And it was, it, was, it was pagan. It was not godly. It was unclean. It was detestable. And, and the Bible says God came into Egypt. And I'm here to tell you God wants to come into your Egypt. Your life. Wherever you were, God came into my life when I was at my worst. Can I get an amen from anybody? God didn't say, oh, you need to come on out of there first. I ain't going up in there. God came up in your nasty space. Oh, let, me, let me reword that. God came up into my nasty space. All up in the closet. All up in the closet that I didn't want to show anybody. Come on, somebody. Anybody, anybody got that closet? Like everything looks nice, but don't go in that closet because stuff... I don't know what's in there. <laughs> don't go in there. No, I got your coat. I got your coat. Don't worry about that. Let me hang your coat up. We got a coat rack for you. Don't go in the closet. Somebody say amen. And so, so that's, that's God. I'll come and eat it. Look at the idols, the idols, idols, false gods, things that we put in God's place um, uh, that, that, that we shouldn't. Idols are simply things that get more love, attention, time, effort than God. That, my friends, is an idol. If it's taking the place of what God desires for you. And I know when we think of idols, we think of like a wooden statue. But it could be anything. It could be anything. It could be a relationship. It could be, it could, it could be, it could be just something that doesn't have to be an idol, but we make it an idol. Come on, somebody. Relationships are from God. But if we place somebody in a position and we expect them to be all that Jesus is supposed to be to us, that, my friends, is an idol. That is something taking the place of God. Somebody say amen. It could be anything. It could be, I'll be honest with you, it could be a sports team. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. It could be, it could, if, if, if that thing takes off, oh, if that's that, my, uh, you know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody say amen. I know the Dodgers are playing tonight at five. I know that. 
I'm not saying the Dodgers are an idol, but it, but isn't it possible that anything in life that we like and, and love and all that stuff, if it takes the place of God, then it can very well be an idol. So the idols of Egypt, look at, will totter. Everybody say totter. Say, everybody say this with me. Say, tip them over, Lord. Right? The, idol, the idols of Egypt. It's talking about sin. It's talking about the things of our past. The idols that we have created. That we've put in the place of God. It, the idols of Egypt will totter at his presence. So we need to hang out with God. Because it is his presence that will tip them jokers over. His presence. The Bible also talks about how, like how water, um, how fire causes water to boil. That, that, that he, will, he will melt our adversaries with his presence. And sometimes I think we get too sophisticated with stuff. If we just hang out with God, he'll start melting and dissolving the things that are vexing us. And so the idols of Egypt will try to express, here it is, and the heart, the heart of those things, the core of Egypt will melt in its midst. In his presence, dissolve, melt. Um, you know, God desires that whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through church, God desires to melt anything that, that is destructive or bringing ruin to your life or those you love. He desires to melt, dissolve, and tip those things over. Hallelujah. In Samuel's time, they brought the idol, they brought the ark into um, a pagan temple, and, and Dagon, uh, the idol, tipped over. And all they did was put the ark, and the ark and the old covenant represent the presence of God. They put the presence of God in an unholy place, and the idol fell down. Like, what happened? Who tipped it over? God's presence. He wants to tip those things over, amen? And, and as we walk, I'm just saying that really, this isn't about technique. This isn't about a best practice. This right here, I didn't want to start with a discipline per se. I want to start with God's presence and our pursuit of him. I believe that, and my pastor, Pastor Jay says this, has said this since I first met him, that when humanity gets out of the presence of God, we start to malfunction. That's what happened with Adam. He sinned. He got out of the presence of God. The boy was hiding. And God was like, um, Adam, is that you? We're naked and afraid. But the humanity from the onset was they got out of the presence of God. And when we aren't in the presence of God, I don't care how long you've been in church, you will eventually start acting a fool. Let me preach to myself. How many of you notice when you're, when you're not in the presence of God, you're a little more irritable? Let me, let me just talk about, let me talk about Pastor Sean for a minute. I'm a little more irritable. Things just get on my nerves easier. Anybody? And it's like little things. Anybody get little things just like, you're like, you're like, Lord Jesus, tip this thing over. Whatever this nasty idol is in my life, help me, Jesus. Right? But the presence of God. This, I'm here to tell you, I know we're going to get into some details this month about this stuff. And next week, my wife and I are going to do this together. That's why we want you to write down some questions. Because we want to answer those. We want to engage a little bit. So my wife and I are going are to teach this together. Next week, we're going to unpack and expose anxiety. Then the next week, we're going to do depression. And next week after that, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come after fear. 
And, and so um, the presence of God, melt, it means to dissolve. Here it is right here. Jesus is bigger than your moments. Isn't he? Anybody ever have a moment? How many, anybody have a moment um, in the last couple weeks? Like you just had yourself a moment? And you spiritualize, oh, I'm just going through a, a season. I'm just, God's just doing some, just season, season shift happening. Yeah, I don't know what God's doing. I don't, I, yeah. No, you acting nasty. That's what, that's what, that's what you're doing. Somebody say amen. But God is bigger than your moments. And you got to bring that moment up into the presence of God. You got to drag that nasty thing up into the presence. Let God melt that thing. All right. The presence of God is so powerful. It will dissolve things that have been there for years. The presence of God will destroy things that you've inherited from, from, from things just the way you grew up in family. I, I mean, so many of you, everybody in here that's part of this community know somewhat of my story. I was sexually molested as a little kid multiple times, but the presence of God. I had all kind of anger and rage, idols, and I didn't trust anything or anybody I had a lot of hate. I, I had some twisted thinking, but I'm telling you, the presence of God melts that stuff. Abandonment, rejection, insecurity, identity issues, mommy issues, daddy issues. We all got something. But God's presence, church, it's God's presence. I'm here to tell you, we as a church, when I meet with Crystal Gale and Pastor Nick every week, we, I, and I was talking to Pastor Nick last night, and I was saying, man, if, let's just continue to pray, pursue God, and believe for His presence in this house. That, that we're going to work on things and do things better and, and uh, all the practical elements, but man, if we don't have the presence of God, man, you know, let, let's shut this thing down and try something else. But the presence of God, amen, we ain't going nowhere, we ain't shutting this thing down, because God's responding to your praise. It's the presence of God. Here we go, here's some practical things here. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you some, Pastor John, what do you mean the presence of God? Like, how do you do that? How do you get in there? I want to be invited to the party. Well, here you go. Here's some practical things, and these are really basic. Um, but I'm telling you right now, if anybody's in, um, knows or, or is involved in it and you just have a certain passion for sports or whatever, I'm telling you right now, it is fundamentals that wins championships. It's discipline in the fundamentals. I mean, you can have a superstar player, but if you don't have discipline, if you aren't working those fundamentals, you ain't going to win. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm fitting to win. So here's some fundamentals. Number one. Three ways that we can hang out with God, or I'm going to use it for the more spiritual people in here, practice His presence. I just wanted to put hang out with God, because then I think we can all get that. Yeah. Yeah. Chilling with the big G-O-D. Come on, someone vote it. Chill with God. What'd you do today? Kicked it with the big G-O-D. Kick it. Some of y'all need to learn. I know this anxiety, depression, and fear... Some of us just need to learn how to kick it and just chill out. You, you, you absorbing way too much. That ain't your responsibility. Let it go. I'm preaching to myself. My wife's saying, say it. Yeah, preach it, husband. Number one, worship. 
I'm going to give it, I'm going to break it down. Worship, sing to God. And even if you, you're tone deaf, check. Have a white boy hop, check. Bite my lip, check. All right. I'm, 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 I'm working on it. But it doesn't, it, it, this is just, this is, this, you got to have a song. What's your song? You got a song. You got a song? Worship. If you're like, man, I need to get some worship music, just ask any of our team members here. All right? I'm, I'm serious. Get a song. Worship in the car. All right? Worship in the car. Worship in the shower. Worship while you're making breakfast. Worship, spend time alone with God. Just, I'm just here to tell you, you know, the Bible says that he commands his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song is with me. I'm here to tell you, I got, I'm tone deaf. My, it is not, it is, my singing is not music to my wife's ears. It's a sad thing. But it's music to my Savior's ears. <laughs> yes. Worship. Somebody say worship. worship. All right. Number two, prayer. These are some practical ways to practice the presence of God. Prayer. Pray first. Pray. Pray. How do I get, how do I get where God is? Sing a song to him. And I told this to our leaders last week. I said, hey, guys, if we don't get anything right, if you don't get anything right, get worship right, because everything's going to flow out of that. I guarantee. I'm just telling you, everything's going to flow out of that. Worship. That means sing a song. Pray. That means just talk to God. Talk to God. And sometimes prayer is talking to the devil, telling him where to go, telling him to shut up. I tell my kids all the time, you can tell. You can't tell anybody else to shut up, but you can't tell the devil to shut up. I'll have him practice. Nico, say, devil, shut up. <laughs> say this, Nico. Say, that devil needs to shut his mouth. Say it, Nico. They can tell the devil to shut up. They can use shut up when they're speaking to the devil. They can't use it to anybody else. I just hope somebody doesn't say something crazy, and then they look at that person and say, that devil, I don't want him to do that. But they can tell the devil to shut up. Why? Because Jesus did. Jesus said, said, he basically said, shut up and come out. That's a form of prayer. Devil, shut up and get out. Get out. All right? And so, so worship, prayer. Here's a, here's, a, here's a practical. The Word of God. Sitting in church right now. Listen to the podcast. Share the podcast. Listen to it. Listen to the Word of God. I listen to my Bible uh, on my Bible app. But the Word, I'm telling you right now, this right here, this is the key to a productive, fruitful, successful life is worship, prayer, and the Word of God. All right? So his presence, his presence is the only escape. It is the only escape. There is no other place to go. There is no other place to run to. There is no other place for help. There, in this world, in this earth, um, Vegas ain't going to do it for you. Somebody say amen. amen. Drinking ain't going to do it for you. Smoking weed, smoking crack, crystal meth, robbing, whatever it is, money, fame, uh, success, education. Some of those things are good, right? But don't misquote me. Um, education is good. And all, but, but none of those things can and should ever take the place of the presence of God. Doing things for people, 
you're going to burn out if that's all your life's about. Is you just always doing, always doing. It's always about other people. Well, you need to get in the presence of God so you can effectively serve other people. So it's his presence. Okay, here's, a, here's, here's my next point. Here's my second point. Here's the second point. First one is what? What was my first point? Hang out with God. Look at, your, look at your neighbor and say, you need to kick it with my heavenly father. Look at him. Ask them this question. Ask them. Say, can. Ask them this question. Can I kick it? Look back it up and say, yes, you can. All right. Let's try it again. Look at your neighbor and say, can I kick it? Look back and say, yes, you can. Hang out with God. Worship, prayer, and the word. Worship, prayer, and the word. And you don't need to take 15 hours to get in the presence of God. If it's taking you that long all the time, I'm just wondering what you're really doing. Come on, somebody. Extended times, that's a beautiful thing. I'm going to tell you about prayer. Prayer, even in a church. Uh, before, we, before I preach on a Sunday... Um, we pray on Facebook Live at 7 a.m. And then we have some intercessors here from 7.30 to 8.30 praying. And then we as a leadership team at 9 a.m., we pray first. And then at 10.30, there's pre-service prayer. There are four times we pray before I preach. Why? Because prayer is more important than preaching. All right? And if you ever feel like, man, that was a great word, you just need to thank the prayer team. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. The people that are praying. So, so they even just, we as a church, me as a pastor, I want to construct things and lead through things with the priorities right. Because the presence of God means more to your life and to this church than me communicating for 30 minutes. I didn't get any amens on that one. Okay. Here's my second point. Check your head. <laughs> Hang out with God and check your head. Look at your neighbor and say, check your head. head. Say it again. Say it like this. Say, check your head. head. All right. This is where discipline comes in because every thought you think isn't yours. Looking at me like, how did you get in there? I have no idea, but it doesn't mean it's you or yours all the time. The devil tempted Jesus. Every thought you think is not yours. Here we go. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 9. I'm going to read this in the NLT. Um, which is uh, just, it just kind of breaks it down uh, easier here. It says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think, everybody say think. Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think, everybody say think. Think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, say my mind, leads to death. Or the Bible says in, in, in New King James, it says um, that the, um, the sinful, uh, I just lost it. Oh, well. Uh, sorry. Lord, help my mind. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. It's all predicated on the way you, your mind. All right? You, the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Uh, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm going to say it again. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. I said you're not controlled by your sinful nature. I said you are not controlled by your sinful nature. All right? But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. 
All right? If you have the Spirit of God living in you, here we go again, overcome because He's in me. Overcome because he, because he, because he's living in me. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Here we go. Check your thoughts before they ruin your day. Mm-hmm. Our life is made up of days, and your mind will mess up your day. Somebody say amen. Your mind will mess up your relationship with your spouse. Your mind will, re- will mess up your job. Your mind, your mind, my mind is sometimes is playing tricks on me. And it ain't even close to Halloween. Somebody say amen. But, but, but my, it is actually pretty close to Halloween. But my, your mind, you got to check your thoughts before they ruin your day. And here's why. An undisciplined mind leads to a chaotic life. An undisciplined mind. You ever do something stupid and you ask yourself, what was I thinking? The thing is you weren't. Because your emotions, I'm serious. This, I believe this is uh, biological, scientific. Hallelujah. I'm a smart person. That, that your emotions move quicker than your, the speed of thought. That's why sometimes you'll, you'll cock back and slap somebody and you, 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 did, you didn't let yourself process it first. I know not everybody in here would do that, but I know some people would, okay? <laughs> See, I got amens from the honest, vulnerable, and authentic people in the building. Really, really, an undisciplined, how many of you, can you guys agree with me? That an undisciplined mind leads to a chaotic life. Uh, you ever, you, do you know anybody in your life that their life is chaotic? It's always crazy. I'm telling you, it's, it's predicated on their thinking. All right? Don't allow a painful season in your life to define your entire life. We all have pay, painful seasons, painful past. You know, some of them seasons are longer than others, but those don't have to define how I think about people, God or me. They will happen. In this world, you will have tribulation. Jesus said, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. And so you don't, those things don't have to define you. Allow them to refine you, but they don't have to define you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Choose. Here he is. Here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's the last thought here um, uh, with this. Don't, don't allow a, a trans, here it is, a transformed mind, if you're taking notes, a transformed mind always results in new levels of freedom and breakthrough. A transformed mind will always re- result in new levels of freedom and breakthrough. Well, I can't like, really get past this. I guarantee you one way or another, it's attached to the way you're thinking. You got to change your thinking. I came out of the skateboard industry, a home of abuse, of, of alcohol, and, and, and smoking weed. I was in an Uber, uh, and I was just sharing my testimony. He's like, you were smoking weed at six? I was like, yep. Thank you, Jesus. You, your, your stepdad was giving you beer at six? Yep. Thank you, Jesus. I'm all up out of that stuff. God came into my Egypt, brought me up out of that. And so, and so the, the, the painful experience of my past, the painful season in my past does not define where I'm going. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to use my past as an excuse. I'm going to use my past as a platform. I'm going to stand up on top of that pain. I'm going to crawl up on top of that pain. I'm about to crawl up on top of this pulpit, and I'm going to preach from it. So it's, it's going to be my soapbox. What you standing on? All kind of abuse, craziness, sex, molestation, drugs, alcohol, crazy, police over, over there, all kind of stuff. I'm a praying of Jesus to set you free. 
Your past in Christ is nothing to be ashamed of. It's something for you to shout about, something for you to talk about. A, a healed heart, man. Let that thing flow. Let the river flow out of that stuff. I'm here to tell you, your desert experience, I'm telling you, there's a river up in there somewhere, and God's going to heal other people through it. God's, God's going God's to put a river in your desert. It's, all about, it's, it's, it's in your mind. A transformed mind will always result in level, new levels of freedom and breakthrough. Here's my last point right here. Number one, don't put it up there yet. Don't put the new point. Don't know. Grace, hold on. <laughs> what was my first point? Hang out with God. Okay. Look at your neighbor and say, ask him, can I kick it? Tell him, yes, you can. Can I kick it? Okay. Second point, check your head. All right, check up from the neck up. Come on, that's some 90s terminology. Check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. <laughs> but <laughs> you got to check your head. I'm telling you, look at God's not going to check your head for you. You get in his presence, he'll wash and cleanse and heal. But I'm telling you, in your walk with God, God's like, you got to tend to that garden. That's my responsibility. He's going to empower me, but I have been given authority over my mind. My mind is not in the driver's seat. My spirit is by way of the Holy Spirit. My mind is sitting shotgun. Somebody say amen. All right, look at your neighbor and say, check your head. Here's the last point. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Hang out with God. Check your hair. Here's the last one. This is it. I, I mentioned this a minute ago, but honestly, to, to, to live a victorious life, you have to learn how to chill out. Point number three, Sanctuary LA. What did you learn from the Bible? Pastor, yes. Chill out. All right. All right. Here it is. Psalms 55 verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord. Why are you carrying that nonsense? That ain't your responsibility. All right, cast your burden. First Peter chapter 5 says, cast your cares on the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. And he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. What is God saying in that scripture? If you break down the Hebrew language, theologically break it down, chill out. All right? Here it is. Learn the art of not caring. Look at your neighbor and say, I, I, don't, even, I don't even care. I don't even care. I don't. Say it like that. You, you Say it. Just let it roll. I, I don't even care. I don't even care. <laughs> I don't care, Moses. Okay? I'm not going to carry that. Learn the art of not caring about the things God never intended for you to care about. Don't be picking up stuff you ain't supposed to be carrying. Come on, you ain't, you ain't Superman. Trying to be superhero. Trying to be Wonder Woman. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Why are you carrying that? Look, sometimes people carry it because they want a pity party. Like, oh yeah, so they, they, they'll just put it on and be like, oh yeah, man, it's so rough. I don't know. What are you doing that for? Cast your burden on the Lord. Yeah. Bible says, come to me, all that are he um, heavy burden. Right? And I'll, Jesus, I'll give you rest. Amen. Come to me, that all heavy laden. Right? My yoke is easy, Jesus said. And my burden is light. Yeah. 
And some people spiritualize this stuff. Oh, just, I got a burden for the city. It's just. <laughs> Stop that. Carry the burden. But God would never put something on you making you look like you're depressed and broke down and you're supposed to be the victorious one. Amen. Putting the whole city on your shoulders. Stop that. You ain't, you ain't Jeremiah. You ain't Isaiah. There's a, there's, a, there's a body here. The body of Christ. You just got to worry about this. Just this right here. You know, you just got to worry about hearing. Why, why you got to hear, speak, see, work, like, stop it. Chill out. Don't, here it is. Freedom requires the daily discipline, the daily discipline of releasing your anxieties on the Lord. Freedom requires daily discipline. How do I do that, Pastor Sean? Say it. Lord, I do it all the time. Lord, I give you the cares, Sanctuary LA. I give you the cares I carry for the team. And part of that is just part of community. It's part of your call. And yes, there is a burden. There is, but, but you got a voice. That, Lord, I give you the cares of my children. I give you the cares, anxieties of my future. I give you the cares of the next thing. I give you, I give you my cares of 2019. I give you my cares of the holidays and hanging out with crazy relatives I don't normally hang out with, but kick it with, but then I got to hang out with them. So Lord, I just give you that care right now. So when I show up, I'm not tripping. I got the peace of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So, so, and don't allow negative thoughts, words, or people to control your perspective. Don't carry that. Look at your neighbor and say, don't pick that up. Choose to do life with others that represent where you're going and where you want to be. And you got, here's another thing about chilling out. You got to really chill out with the right people. But here's the thing. You got to not only just chill out, don't carry those things. Prayer, worship, prayer, the word. Don't carry that. Many times the things we're dealing with are things that we picked up. I know, I just naturally, maybe it's a husband thing or a dad thing. I will naturally just carry stuff. And God's like, what are you, why are you working yourself? And sometimes the Lord speaks through my wife. And she says, that's you. You did, you picked that up. I didn't put, am I right, baby? Yes, I'm right, yes. Thank you, Crystal Gale, for helping the brother out. She's like, well, you did, you, you put all that on you. What are you, why are you over there tripping? You did that. Anybody, can anybody relate to me? I'm just being real here. Am I the only one? You don't need to carry all that. You don't need to carry all that. Here it is, my last scripture, and then we're going to pray. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one lift them up. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. You got to learn to chill out with, with people. But woe to him who's alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. Here it is. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Chill out. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.